it's time for a bonus, a bonus episode. I love episodes of theater, 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 theater. We're going off the beaten path, off the beaten path. We're Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi. You know what, y'all? I've been seeing a lot of really good theater lately, which has been <laughs> uh-huh. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've yeah. also seen... I know where this is going, I think. <laughs> yeah. I've also seen some not-so-good theater lately, which is fine, because you learn things from not-so-good theater sometimes, mm-hmm. as we mm-hmm. talked about on our Fringe episode. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, the show I saw recently that has perturbed me to no end. Um, I brought it up. Two episodes ago on mm-hmm. Cyrano, or was mm-hmm. it on Fringe? I don't remember. No, I think it was Fringe because you were it was seeing the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's weeks. right. Last week we were recording, and I was about to go see Tootsie at the Dolby <laughs> Theater, uh, which is where the Oscars are. Yeah, it's a cool theater. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like the seats, but it's fine. I'm I'm bougie. So I went to see Tootsie, a musical I knew I wasn't going to love, but thought I could maybe enjoy. Like, why not? New musical, sure. I had heard things where people had mixed feelings about it, but I hadn't really heard enough. So I was like, I'm going to go make my own opinion about this so that I can talk about it. Yeah. And uh, deep friend of the pod, Jesse Bias, and I went and saw yeah. this. Uh, oh, yes. And it was top to bottom one of the worst things I've ever seen on stage. Yeah. And I want to say, I now... I don't care. Quality is definitely an issue. I don't know if this was a non-union or union tour, and I'm not trying to say that non-union tours are of less quality, but sometimes non-union tours are of less quality. And this felt, yes, and this felt a bit like a non-union tour. Now, this was the first national Broadway, so I I don't know. It had to have been union. It had to it have had been. To have it been. was at. It was Pantages. It was it, at the Dolby. Like I'm like, it, it's gotta be right. But yeah. someone told me the other day at work, they were like, actually, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be union if they chose not to do that. And they, and I was huh. like, okay, but that'd be weird for the first national Broadway tour. Anyway, so all that to say, the the quality level from top to bottom was quite unfortunate. Uh, Performance wise, directorial, the book, the songs. Nothing to hold on to, nothing to relate to. Uh, they take the movie of Tootsie and they warp it into, instead of the soap opera world, they do the uh, Broadway musical. Okay. So, um, <sighs> right. So now if you know what Tootsie is about. Now, I don't want to taint this episode. I feel like I'm tainting this most beautiful nah. episode. This is an incredible episode. We're going to talk about one of my favorite things in a long time. But I do have to say, like, it just felt Same. so weird that... Broadway decided that we needed this musical right now. Mm-hmm. And I know it was a money thing, but like, it's about, it, it, okay, let me set the scene. Fuck, is this worth it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, let me set the scene. The opening number, it, someone comes out and says, it's just like a young girl comes out with a suitcase and it's a really bad old kind of community theater style set of New York. And she comes out and she puts down her bag and she goes nyc kind of like like annie basically but she's like new york city i'm here to and you're like what is what what's happening and then this whole number ensues that's trying to be sort of you know the opening lesser number of of of, um uh, uh the frank lesser kind of um guys and dolls kind of feel or whatever and it's you're just like what is happening and i turned to rachel and i said this has to be like a show within a show, right? Like this can't, they couldn't have let this happen. Like this is the most cliche, weird opening ever. And then of course someone cuts and they go into the real show and you're like, oh, <laughs> ha, ha, yeah, okay. But, and I was like, thank God. And we like, we were like relieved. But then the conceit of the rest of the show is that the chorus is still always in that show. Which in theory is kind of funny, well, like, right? Like, like there's a funny take to that. But it never works. It's never pulled off. And then the whole plot of the story is a man dresses as a woman because he's not getting cast. A white man, to be clear. A white, cis, straight man dresses as a woman because he's not being cast enough. 
Even though he is being cast enough, he's just really hard to work with. So he's not getting cast enough. So he dresses as a woman and gets cast in a Broadway show over all the other women that auditioned for it. (laughs) The way that they deal with this is at one point his, his roommates asks him, do you realize how fucked up this is? There are like this to women, to transgender women, to like all things like this is messed up. And then nothing comes from it. They don't ever I, retackle that. He doesn't learn anything by the end, except at the end, he's like, I realize that women deserve roles, but he still played it on Broadway through the run of the... You on know, behalf you're just of like, women, what? Tootsie, thank you. Right, well, and it's and this I mean, really that, weird proto-feminist bullshit, and I hated it so It doesn't even much. have the defense of time like the movie does. Right. The it doesn't even have that. The movie was 1983 and was progressive also, for its time. And Not to give anything away, but the the show that they're doing, I'm going to give it away, is that it's R- Romeo and Juliet, the musical, but he West starts Side Story? pushing. <laughs> right, exactly, which was what you're sitting there like, okay, West Side Story. And then he goes, no, but I think the nurse's story is better. We should make it about the nurse because he's playing the nurse. Okay. Uh-huh. And they do. They make the show about the nurse, and they t- they change the name from Juliet's Curse to Juliet's Nurse, and the show becomes about the nurse, which is his role as a wo- but he's playing it as a woman, and then he starts getting like Tony Buzz. That's the plot of the show, and then it doesn't even give us the decency of ending with him being like. Oh, realizing he's a total fucking asshole sociopath and that everything like that he needs to just like go the fuck away from the industry at all no it ends with the girl that he fell in love with who was playing Juliet being like okay like maybe I'll give you another chance and then it's over and you're like what what is this it's bad anyway today playing we're talking about King, I'm playing a nurse <laughs> that's funny <laughs> it's bad news bears cut it Oof. all out I don't want to start the episode like that I don't know no why come on that. it's great no, you're no, right it's all good. have y'all yeah. seen any good theater good theater bad theater uh in the past week no I'm going uh soon to see some stuff um otherwise I've been working in a theater a lot yeah There's a lot of wood Same. picking up and same. Vacuuming of sawdust and cleaning of stuff, but uh, we're getting ready for I'm that. I'm just fringe. doing a lot of pre-production stuff. Yeah, I'm getting ready for the show I'm producing that we discussed last week, and um, I'm seeing a show in two weeks at Loft, which I'll bring up. You know, at the end of the show. There's another universe where we're all producing a show together right now. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm producing there a show, is. but it's written by this jerk, and it's got these jerks in it. And... <laughs> ah, That's true. In another universe, true. we all like one another. In another uh, universe, this podcast doesn't exist, and I get to nap on Tuesdays. In um, another universe. Oh, God, now other. I'm starting to get depressed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're talking about universes. I was trying to segue. It, was, it got sad instead. But I want to say, I say will it. say... I want to say it, and I will say it. Put it in the log. You want to say it? Put it in the log. Write it down. We're talking about something I saw in a theater recently, a movie theater, a cinema. Cinema. That was one of the best experiences I've had in a movie theater in a very long time. And I have seen it multiple times since. And I want to hear your initial thoughts. But first, I want to welcome everyone to Theater Theater. The theater podcast for theater nerds made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. And as always, to cleanse our palate, we have another in stuff. But this isn't a palate cleanser because we've been doing bonus episodes the past couple weeks. This is another in stuff. And this is a a three-way pick. This is something that may or may not... It's not. I said may or may not, but it, it is not. Really related to the theater world, uh, theater, R-E spelling world. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think, I don't even know that I want to do the exercise of like trying to warp it into that. I just think we are a podcast about experiences in in, in the entertainment world and experiences. And storytelling. And storytelling. And like, yes, we cover playwrights most of the time, but like. At the end of the day, I just really want to talk about things that affect me in the in the performance world and talking about performances. That's why we did Star Wars. It's why we did Marvel. It's why we did Harry Potter, because it's all the same. Like we're mm-hmm. creating 
a very similar uh, art form. So I just I wanted to say that because I know it's weird that we cover so many movies, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah here, here. Yeah. Haters. I'm not hating on. I'm anything. not hating. Nobody's uh, hating on anything. No, no, there might be listeners that are haters. I don't know. I'm just saying, like to them. Oh, they, uh, they, they, they know who they, they are. They listen to us yeah. out of sheer hatred. Yeah, they know who they are. You know who you are, Tom. <laughs> Send us an email. Yeah, come on. I dare yeah, Tom, you. Tom, do it, Tom. Leave us a one-star rating and a Tom really mean like review. Yeah, Tom. I don't know. I don't know fuck many you, people Tom. named Tom, so I'm hey, not fuck you, Tom. Just <laughs> now we're alienating Tom. Tom, we love you. Come back. Come back. Uh, okay, today we're talking about something newly near and dear to my heart. Uh, dare I say, Citizen Kane, The Matrix. 2001. Like 2001. <laughs> it is in, I think it is in this pantheon. Uh, today we're talking about the new film by the Daniels. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Pew, pew, pew. I want to hear some initial thoughts. You know, just get out. Just get it out. Tell me um, how you're feeling about this. I will say that I saw it with you, Bailey. You I think it was your second or third viewing at I think that. That was point. three for me. Yeah. Absolutely, was was enthralled by the whole thing. It pushed all of my buttons in so many ways. But I think that I turned to you afterwards as the critic credits were rolling and, and literally said, I think that that might be as close to a perfect movie as I've ever seen. Yeah. Like it really is. All of the arcs are so beautiful. All of the shots are beautiful. Like the, the, the themes are amazing. All of it was great. Like I, you, you have to, you have to pull some threads pretty hard to start unraveling this. Like that's how tight it was. And um, I read some interesting stories about uh, the Daniels as they prepped for it, but I just was knocked out by it. You get to st- every once in a while, you get these experiences. I remember seeing The Matrix and Man's Chinese Theater on opening night, and like uh, that was one of those experiences where you're like, "Wow, I just saw something that's going to um, cascade throughout the world, this the world of cinema and the world of storytelling." and and change it people are going to vie to try and and compete with this on an artistic level and that was what was so exciting yeah i think so too siege siege you had some good takes oh yeah i saw it almost exactly a month ago when i was in michigan visiting family with my dad and (laughs) a film like this is great to see in michigan because we were the only people in the theater Mm -hmm. um and I got, I got a little worried more about my dad when it started getting weird in the middle. Cause this is not dad will wa- sit down and watch almost anything, but I wanted him to enjoy it because I went on your orders, Bailey. You said that it was such a great movie. I ordered you to, uh, you ordered, ordered me to say, it. take and two then, of these and call me in the morning. <laughs> and then I, by the end of the movie was completely emotionally wrecked. And then we went back, we were staying at my brother's place and was still just like boo-hoo crying inconsolable for like a half hour in my brother's house and then knew that I was drawing attention to myself and went out on like an hour-long walk to calm myself down to which as soon as I came home I started crying even harder again and then it ignited a conversation in between me and my brother that hasn't happened in the entire 37 years of my life so it was a big day when I saw that movie and it was it affected me emotionally for a good week after I saw it I'm now at the point where I can think of the movie and not immediately burst into tears but it Mm. hit me real fucking hard Mm. yeah this is the kind of movie that can change people like truly Mm -hmm. and I a lot of what we're going to say sounds like hyperbole if you haven't seen it. I would recommend turning off this episode if you haven't seen this. We're going to spoil so it. much because there's so much to talk about here. And if you haven't seen it, you won't know what we're talking about. You have to see this movie. It is. Uh, it was number one a few weeks ago, actually. It built its way up. It did the, wow. the My Big Fat Greek Wedding thing where it like was laid dormant for like two months. and then all of a Only sudden it, was it was good. Oh, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> a big fat Greek wedding rocks. That's a good one. <laughs> that movie slaps. But uh, 
it's just it's one of those films that really can like change minds and 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 that kind of leads to my first experience with it which was uh cj sort of the opposite of yours i went and saw it at the atlantic times square which is my new favorite amc to go to they don't have a prime or an imax or any um they can do 3d but they don't do any they don't have any recliners so uh it's a very low attendance theater Mm. um where's it at it's atlantic times square it's um it's like alhambra oh okay okay, okay, it's like south of south pasadena okay um alhambra sounds right and it's this like really beautiful little chinese community around there and they uh and a lot of chinese restaurants and a lot of this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff and i went and saw this uh it's how i saw shang chi it's the same place i saw shang chi but but this was the only theater showing it opening weekend. I had huh. seen these trailers and I was like, oh, I have yeah. to see that opening weekend. It was only showing here and at the one in like Montebello or like somewhere super far. I don't know, not Montebello, somewhere really far. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we have to go. It's at my spot. And it was only like a 4 p.m. on a Sunday. Like they, were, mm. they weren't doing a very long run. They were just testing it out. I went and saw it and it was a packed house. Cool. Because it was just, it was the only place you could see it. And enough people were like, it's this new A24 film. Why is it not showing at other AMCs? So we all packed into this theater. And right before the movie started, there had been a little drama right in front of us with some seats. There was uh, a couple, an older couple, uh, uh, who people might label as a Ken and Karen situation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They were being a little bit ruckus, ruckus, ruckus about... Um, the fact that people were sitting in their seats when they got there. And now, it was totally understandable. They were two seats over from where they were supposed to be. So they, but the way they handled it was just very incorrect. They were just like, these are our seats. And the people were like, oh, sorry, yeah, these are ours. We're, we're to the left, too. Sorry, we read the numbers wrong. And they were like, well, you can't read numbers? And it was this like weird, Ooh. annoying moment. And we were just like, oh, weird, you have to sit by that couple the rest of the yeah (laughs) yeah right Um, but the 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 ken and karen uh were just like you could just feel their energy being a little bit like what is this movie what are we saying you know and they didn't even know what they were in for and at the beginning as things start happening everyone's laughing everyone's enjoying themselves and i didn't feel them doing that at all they're they're sitting very still but then I noticed about like halfway through, they both started kind of chuckling and like kind of getting into it and reacting to things and jumping when things would would be like a little bit like harsh or brutal. They'd be like, oh, you know, and I was like, oh, OK, they're they're on the ride. They're at least here for it. I don't know. I, I really love audience experience. So I was very sure. engaged with this movie in this way. And the whole audience by by you know three quarters in we're all together we're all just like having the best time in it people are just just rolling in the aisles we're having a blast and then the moment i'm jumping very far ahead but the moment where they become rocks Mm. yes that's when i started crying (laughs) of course it is the whole audience went dead silent and did not make a single noise through the entirety of that scene, which I believe is the point because mm-hmm. everything everywhere all at once has been happening up until that point. It's been and then it goes stillness. And you're just in a and you're like in a Godot play. You're in a excuse me, a Beckett play all of a sudden. I just tried to attribute all of Beckett's work to Godot. That's amazing. But it's yeah, that that moment where that the one of the most compelling scenes I've seen in the theaters over the past two years is between two rocks. Yeah. There's a scene between two rocks. So that, <laughs> that scene happens and there's one line in particular and I, I'll, I'll have to look at it. Up. I should have looked it up before this, but there's one line in particular in there where it's like sort of the thematic statement of the whole thing, which is, is basically like, yeah, but nothing matters. Mm-hmm. It, it's like nothing matters because if everything if nothing matters, everything matters. It's like that kind of sentiment and like whatever. But it was a very clear way of stating something that I think a lot of close-minded brick wall people struggle with. And he, the man, the kin, if you will, just went, huh. 
Mm. And the whole audience sort of felt it. Like we were all kind of like, oh, someone just learned something. Like yeah, right. you felt like the giggle, like you felt the sort of like <laughs> he got something from that. And he sort of looked around like embarrassed. But then the movie ended and they sat through the entire credits. That's a cool. lot of people got up. I sit through credits. I'm just, you know, and not for Marvel purposes. Obviously, I do that as well. But like, I just I, I like the idea of just like taking in the movie, sitting for a second, like appreciating the name scrolling by. If I was one of those small people working on I a am. film, I'd want to be appreciated by somebody. So I'm That's like, yeah, I'll sit here. It. I don't even read them all. I'm just kind of there for it and like appreciating. And and also there's usually good score going on in the credits. So why not? And they sat through the whole thing and at the end we were leaving and the man said to his wife i swear to god and it's like the most it feels now like so silly to say because it's just like how did he why did he say it like so matter of fact and clear but he just went honey i think i need to rethink some things that's all he said and i just had this like I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means for him. He might be the most liberal person on the planet. Sure, and, sure. And now he's like going to become a right winger. <laughs> right, exactly. It might be the exact opposite of what I wanted it to be. But all I could dream of, like, I, I left there just, like, heartful being like, he's going to call his daughter tonight. Yeah. yeah. That's all I could feel. And that, this movie <sighs> rocks so much. So let's talk about it. There's so much to get into. Um, where do we want to start? Well, I have a breakdown. If oh, you feel like we oh, that's a break good place down. to start. Yeah, that's a yeah. really great place to start. Start from the CJ's breakdown. <laughs> a very good place to start. CJ's breakdown. When an interdimensional rupture unravels reality, an unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering dangers from the multiverse as the fate of the world hangs in the balance. She is both both the most unlikely hero and most likely hero. Right. That's what's amazing. And um, yeah, I think yeah. I think I'd like to start with Michelle Yeoh. Um, sure. Because she's she said she'd been waiting for this role for her entire life, for her entire career. You yeah. Know? And she's an amazingly talented human being. Like she 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 went to the Royal Academy of Dance. Right. In mm-hmm. London, she was, she she's speaks four or five languages. You know, she's, you know, she's a stunt person. She's a producer. She's, she's done it all. And she's sort of been waiting for this role, which is such a complete thing. It is such a complete character. And that's what's so cool about the multiverse and all the dimensions of it. Yeah, we get a little meta Michelle Yeoh, as in the character of Evelyn um the movie star the movie becomes a movie star a martial arts movie star and well not becomes but is in another dimension or another multiverse and and the complete journey of it and 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 all they of use that actual footage of her at, at in old footage yeah, of, exactly. of her like old like martial arts films but they also use a lot of footage of her at the crazy rich asians um premiere uh, red carpet premiere yeah right yeah, yeah. right Which that's cool great. yeah but she's amazing and it's a it's a she's always been you know i think people dismissed her for a long time as being the bond girl and then crouching sure. tiger came out and oh she's the martial arts uh superstar who can also act like you know brilliantly sure um well, and, she did begin doing those sort of things. You know, she was uh, she. Uh, the the story in the movie is kind of her story. That, yeah, that's a what's bit. most interesting. The one the one timeline where she's the the actress is basically her story, which is super. She like, I don't know that it's like as clear as she got attacked, decided to take uh, martial arts, and then became a martial arts actor. I think it's more just like she studied it and ended up being asked to be in a movie and then was and then moved on from there kind of thing and did a lot of that but yeah she's done so many things beyond that now at this point right Mm -hmm. i am and uh this comes from a place of me absolutely loving this movie so much i also i was talking to uh sophia dutcher about it friend of the pod also known as jay um i have some resentment towards this movie at the same time, and I have a tweet to read along with this, 
about because it's it's a movie that hit me hard because I have massive mommy issues. And so it's this whole fantasy film of your parents apologizing to you. <laughs> but the reality of the situation is most people's parents are never going to apologize to them. And that made me resentful. And then also another thing about the film that really hit me between the eyes is the whole idea of I've worked this hard and I have nothing to show for it. And I'm just, I'm personally having a very bad year of my life and I've just been feeling that really hard lately. But the reality of the situation is whether she had this film or not, she's had an amazing career. And uh, it, it's I'm getting emotional now thinking of it. This movie made me feel so many things. And I was talking to Jay about it. And they said um, that there's a I'll, I'll just read the tweet. I, I don't know who this guy is. Derek Lemos Lemos L.E.M.O.S. Um, between Coco and Kanto, everything everywhere all at once and turning red. Millennial filmmakers are slowly creating an entire genre of fantasy films where parents apologize. And I think that's also why I really loved the movie Turning Red, too. They're just really hit. Everyone my age is making big movies right now. and it's they're the all, children of boomers. Yeah, they're all handling this kind of collective trauma we have over having boomer parents, which I'm sure Gen X deals with, too, to a completely different degree. Yeah, we just don't whine about it quite as much. <laughs> Shut ah, the fuck up. Boom, so, well, and then yeah, the, the nah. other thing that was said was like, no, this movie is great. Repressed. It gave me all the feels. <laughs> but yes. But the other part, too, was like, you know what? It makes me want to sit down and watch Tangled, where the evil stepmother just fades away into dust at the end. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Digression. And, you know, a... she's, she's in the next three Avatar films. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, really? Yeah. Michelle Yeoh? Yeah. I won't see Pretty them. Pretty cool. So. so she'll be making millions off of that, which is rad. No, I want her to have all the money. I have that that Avatar two trailer looked like a video game that I would start and never finish. <laughs> it looked awful. We should all go see that. Together. It just looked. It's like I don't know what this is about. Neither does he. He's just taking. He's just making pictures. I also can we please rant. at some point talk about Kehi Kwan too. No, yeah, we're going to talk about everybody in it, yeah. of course. No. Are we done talking about Michelle? Is that your point? No, no. I, I love Michelle. Well, clear segue. Wow. <laughs> Are we going to talk about someone else now? Can we do that? Uh, sure. Um, okay, yeah. Kehui Kwan. He is uh, one of the best parts of this film, uh, yes. in my opinion. Yes. He is... Um, Everything in it is the best part of it. There's not a weak point for me in this. Right. Rather than like stepping through like actor to actor, I think like let's step through the movie. Because then when we get sure. to certain parts, we can sort of discuss. Because, well, I mean, we're already on him, but he's he hasn't done a movie in 20 years. Yeah. Right. This is a beautiful way for him to come back. And if we're talking about Michelle Yeoh feeling like this was like the thing she had been waiting for, this is what I feel like he's been waiting for, right? He needed something because we know him as Short Round mm -hmm. in Temple of Doom. We know him as Data in mm -hmm. Goonies. Goonies. But I think in a um, lot of ways. Head of the class. Um, of you the two class. youngins. Which sure. was a really cool little show for a couple of years, but anyway. No, it's true. And he's like, you know, he was like around, like he was, he's been in the industries, in things. He's in um, Encino Man, uh, barely. He's like. <laughs> Encino Man. Yeah, he's I haven't just thought like about there. that movie in decades. <laughs> right. Um, and then, you know, he's got, um, he was on Head of the Class, obviously, for, for a long time. And then he he just hasn't he hasn't been able to do anything and he fucking rules in this movie there are actual there are a lot of easter eggs in there mm -hmm. about you know specifically data easter eggs very goonies related easter yeah, eggs yeah. um which rock uh what are your feelings on him siege since you Brought him up. Um, I just love him. Uh, I my mother was in labor with me when my parents went to see Temple of Doom. So Short Round <laughs> and I have had a relationship. So to see to see I He's and basically I basically your uncle. <laughs> to see to be I and I know everyone gripes about Temple of Doom. I love all the Indiana Jones films except Crystal Skull can go straight to hell. Um No, I like that movie. To to have he was he was a big part of my childhood, and then to see him in this movie that just knocked me on my ass. Yeah, 
And like, I just, I read briefly, I'm sure y'all read the same articles too, about how like he just got out of the industry because he didn't see a place for himself in Hollywood. Yeah. And it was seeing well, crazy rich Asians that made him say like, you know what? I think I'm going to get back into this. Well, specifically, he, he, he got out of acting. He didn't, he's never left the industry. He right, got right. His degree I, yeah, in cinema. He was a fight right. and stunt choreographer. He was an assistant director and he worked on, on X-Men. Yeah. He on, right. You know, he was around. Yeah. Right. But yeah, but yeah, exactly. And like it, it, it th now there's a bigger discussion to be had, maybe not by us three, but about, you know, Asian actors in America. And we've, sure. we've you know, David Henry Huang episodes, we definitely get into it with Keela and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and even the um, a little bit with the R&H uh, miniseries, we got into it a little bit, but it is a beautiful thing that we're now a, we're, we're making movies like this and Shang-Chi and Crazy Rich Asians where it, it, it is getting to. And I would even argue, like, like a lot of people didn't like it, but the new Mulan uh, uh, live action or even, like, uh, Raya uh, and the Last Dragon, which fucking slaps. And these turning movies red. that... Turning I mean, red. Turning absolutely. Red. Yeah. Which are allowing um, these things to be more prominent in our culture. And it's not just because all of the um, AAPI hate. It's because we're all realizing, like, no, this is America. These are the stories that need to be told. And so we yeah. start off here. We're in a laundromat. We're... The, what's more American than a fucking laundromat? And you have this Chinese-American family uh, who are struggling, like, really fucking bad. And they go to see Jamie Lee Curtis! <laughs> Surprise the fuck I'll out tell of you what, doing this. If, if fucking rocks in this movie. She, it, I tell you what, if she doesn't get a supporting actress nomination... I don't know I what know. the category. I don't know what the category exists for. Now I know it's, we're early as fuck. We, because we are, there might and, be ten movies that are so much. Sure, better than sure, this. but you know, totally. I, <laughs> but, but I agree. But she rocks Michelle it. too, though. I think Michelle, Michelle has and, to get the nomination. Well, yeah. and 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 uh, and Kay as well. You know what? Sure. Scene solidified. Now, actually, I'll save this because my. F I want to ask you guys what your favorite multiverse is we'll get oh, there in a fuck. second which which of those stories because each story once they get to the multiverse is its own clear arc and story so i want to ask you which one's your favorite i have my favorite but it's based purely on his performance in it we'll get there um but so anyway she gets to jamie lee curtis one of the greatest actresses ever but also a past who... sex symbol too absolutely oh, yes. yeah 100 <laughs> who oh scott scott had ago. some moments of adolescence that were directly because of Jamie Lee Curtis in Trading Places. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trading and True Lies? True Lies. That and, was the one uh, for me as a kid. And Fish Called Wanda a little Fish bit. Fish Called Wanda. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But she was great. And she's she's got such range. Like, there's a Prom generation night. of people of, of, of that look at her and think of Halloween and the slasher oh, yeah. movies and all that. And then there's a generation that think of her in her comedy roles. Um, and then there's a generation that think of her in the the latter half of the Halloween movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's in like 12 of them now. Um, H2O, oh, she, H2O, then, anyone? Yeah, H2O? yeah, yeah. That's all right. Um, that had one then, of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills on it. it sure did. So <laughs> I think she's. Isn't that Kim Richards? It's uh, no Kyle Richards. It's her younger sister. Oh, it's the younger sister. Yeah. Come on, Bailey. Um, but yeah, the fact Sorry. that Jamie Lee Curtis plays a fucking tax auditor in this, with like I'm guessing a horrible wig and like oh god, she was so good. She the was wig good. rocks though because it does. It looks and feels like a wig. And it's like almost a horrible like haircut too. chose that wig like this. <laughs> this character chose that as her hairstyle, whether it's a wig or not. You know, like, <laughs> And it's kind of amazing. And she has there's a few times where she goes way too far. Like whenever she's alpha verse, Jamie Lee Curtis, she goes way too far. But the movie calls for it, it demands. It. Sure. And yes. she she's she's there for it. and the commitment is just profound. Also, Freaky Friday is a good movie. <laughs> it, it's good. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so they get to her, and 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 earlier in the movie, we've already seen Kay like turn. The, remember the first time we see something weird happen? We're like fifteen minutes into the movie too sure. before this happens. Uh, behind her, she's talking to someone, and you see the security cameras, and he all of a sudden is like jumping around. 
Right. The, and everyone's like, wait, what the hell? And then it, it goes back and he's normal again. And she, uh, and, and I remember the audience were being like, what's happening? What? Why is he, why is he flipping around? What's going, this guy was just normal a second ago. And so you can feel the moving starting to get to someplace weird, but the weirdest, the first moment of weird is he turns to her at the tax place and says, Hey, I'm not (laughs) your husband. I have a different one from a different universe. And all of a sudden he does this huge info dump, which he handles with. It's so good. It's so well done. A plum. Like he's like, he's like like incredible at it because he's like Lawrence Fishburne in the matrix where you're just like, but the way he does it is very quick. He's very like, I'm not going to remember this. This is, this is what's happening. This is what you need to do. You can either choose this thing or this thing. Okay, go. And then he's normal again. And you're like, wait, what? But (laughs) But you got it all because he was so clear. It's sort of like Lawrence Fishburne in the matrix, but Lawrence Fishburne chooses to do it very Dramatically. Dramatically. <laughs> you know, which I, I love. They're two different takes, but they're kind of playing that same role. And so you have this alpha verse. Uh, 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 what is what is his character name? Is Wanna Waymond. 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 Which is genius. So Waymond is, is, uh, has just done this thing and she's like, wait, what is happening? And he puts the two Bluetooths in her ears. Right. And from then on, we're just in like clusterfuck mode. They're going into different dimensions. They're seeing different sides of of themselves, things that they could be. Uh, And then there's this amazing conceit where to access skills from another dimension version of you, you can do something really random that you would never do, and it will trigger a gateway <laughs> into it's your brain. The way it's they like, explain it is so perfect that I can't even and do it. It's, yeah, and explaining it to anybody makes, yeah. you, makes it sound like, what? I sound like a and psychopath. Like, what? Yeah. But yeah, it's it's how... Uh, and they did this with Swiss Army Man, and we'll talk about the Daniels a little bit more in a second, yeah. but um, it's, it's this world, like the, there's a pacing of it, like it's a very clear uh, setup the real world, the real world, our world, the 616, whatever we want to call it. Like that, that, so that everything that happens is becomes clear as a bell. Like it's the palette of the, of the design work and the palette of the lighting of, uh, of the camera work and all that in the, in the apartment and in the, in the laundromat. And then of course in the IRS office. And then, so when shit starts to go crazy, it fits. It makes it's it's clear as a bell how it works, and man, it 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 just impressed me how how great that was. Can I tell you something that inspires me about this movie a lot? Please. Yeah. Okay. The Daniels are directors who they've done a few things. Um, they've been able to like secure some funding and do some legitimate projects, uh, specifically Swiss Army Man, which you just brought up, which is a phenomenal uh, <laughs> so movie weird. with only two people in it. It's uh, well, Daniel Radcliffe well, and Paul the Dano. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. But yeah. for the most part, for the for for the two hour runtime, about ninety, 90 minutes or five to hundred minutes are just Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. And Daniel and, Radcliffe is dead through most of and it. And Daniel Radcliffe is dead. <laughs> but I gotta check this shit out. It's amazing. It is, it's so weird. It's it, really it's, weird. A lot of fart jokes. A lot of farting yeah. jokes. But it it. It's become CJ's too magical. mature for fart jokes. So I, it's, I'm not, not into sophomoric humor so much. It's got to be it's sprinkled not, it's, about. You're mature, it's not you're sophomore. I am humor. so much more mature. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's it's, it's everything it's, everywhere all at once level funny though. Where it's yeah. like it's like it's like it's a fart so joke weird. that's the way it's placed. You're just like that's actually good. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. did a good one. Yeah. Um, it's like Basil and Dick, CJ, where it's just a bunch of dick jokes, but it works because there's a tap dancer in it. Um, that's a <laughs> sketch I wrote. Nobody gets that joke. Okay. Um, I, uh, want to tell you something inspiring about this. Yes. The Daniels make Swiss army, Swiss army men. And this is, this is their follow up, And they're probably now going to be like nominated for Oscars and all this shit. But check this out. Five people and them and, and the two of them. So like seven people did all of the special effects for this movie. Fuck. Yeah. Here's something crazy. None of these seven people went to school 
for VFX. Cool. This is a group of friends who got together and learned it all online for free. And did it. And because you had it. to. Like the budget of this movie was not like not it's not high large, and, but it feels large. Yeah. It they feels... make it feel really large. And a lot of it's practical. That's the thing we don't really think about is like you can tell when it's CGI because so much of it is practical. The bagel at the end is very animated mm-hmm. because but there's not because there's nothing else animated up until that point except like the an- actual animation shit that they go through. Um, but uh, that excites me. That makes me like really happy. Yeah, that that you can go out and you. Know, I mean, and this movie is just continuing to catch fire across the world. Um, you I know, wanted starting... to see a second time before we recorded, but I just didn't have time to. Right. No, I am gonna see it again. And it's coming out. It'll be out soon on all the all the platforms and all that. And so, yeah, I'm going to have this Blu-ray for sure. Um, it's yeah, it, it, it was it, it was astounding to me that they did it so cheap. They did it fairly quickly, too. Like it was they didn't have a lot of time. Um, but, yeah, it, they they nailed it and they're doing something. I think that's the most exciting thing about all of this is that you really discovered a new voice. Yeah. I'd seen Swiss Army Man and it was like, oh, that's a weird, quirky movie. And then they they upped it like they upped it in terms of the philosophy they're dealing with. I was reading about how they they spent starting in 2010. They started researching the multiverse and trying to understand it. And then they were writing it. And season two of Rick and Morty came out. And they were watching Rick and Morty, and they're like, fuck, fuck. They've, they've beaten us to all of these bits. <laughs> they've beaten us to all these jokes, to all these ideas. So they had to stop watching Rick and Morty. Then as they're getting ready to release this, they're like, Spider-Man, multiverse of madness. They were just yeah. like petrified that they were going to get but you know what's taken amazing. out of it. And it, they beat them both. In, and we should talk opinion. about multiverse of madness because... I was afraid because multiverse was after this. I was afraid multiverse of madness was just going to be a retread. I was like, are we just going to kind of see what just happened? Like, is it just going to be the same, like journeying through these other dimensions? And it's not, it's kind of very pointedly, not that they're kind of stuck in the same dimension the whole time, not to give away too much of multiverse of madness. We shouldn't talk too deeply about multiverse, but I want to hear your thoughts on it guys, because it's a similar movie it's we're, we're traveling through multiverse there's there, this is a huge theme right now in, in pop culture everybody wants to talk about multiverse um and and it, which is interesting i think it's cool but um the fact that well, these then movies we are all have... coming out at the same time is weird yeah well we also had you know spider-man no way home which really right, right. broke that open and so and talk to Rick me about your Morty feelings is... about madness oh i loved it i thought it was great i i thought what I appreciated the most about it was they let it be a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, it's you know, the most Sam Raimi. It, it, it's, Sam Raimi. It's, I thought it would have been a good Halloween release. <laughs> totally, sure, sure. totally. <laughs> and um, um, but I loved everything that they did. I loved the Illuminati stuff, which I you know kind of knew about from spoilers and all that. But we're spoiling yeah, pretty it. heavy. We're spoiling pretty heavy. So there, yeah. I mean, people knew that from the trailers. I guess that's fine. Yeah, but I didn't tell any character names. That's true. That's true. Um, I went, and I should have mentioned him back when we did the uh, Marvel movie thing, Uh, a very old friend of mine, Bart. He and I have seen a lot of these movies together in theaters because he loves Marvel movies. And so uh, we had a really good time, uh, and I don't think I'm giving anything away here. I thought the ending was incredibly convenient. Um, And then also (laughs) the scene where I laughed out loud was when he was talking to his love interest and he's like, I just, I'm insecure and uh, it's hard for me to be in relationships. And I went, you don't say. It's like, (laughs) anytime someone's like, I can't be in a relationship because I've been hurt before. I'm like, yeah, you and everybody else, Dr. Strange. Jesus Christ, man. Get some fucking therapy. You're smart enough. You're rich. Wow, CJ's got feelings. She's, oh, dude, wow, feelings. there's a lot. Yeah, of, I mean, a lot just came out there. <sighs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about all that, but I, I do know that um, most Marvel movies have convenient endings because that's what that's what a comic book movie is. But 
not that's not an argument. It's just I. That's what I kind of like about them is it's all just sort of like Deus Ex, like and then this and everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, but I guess you're right. I do love that it was it was basically Evil Dead Four. It was Army of Darkness Two, and I'm <laughs> Bart was trying to tell me that, and I was like, I haven't seen any of these movies. Right, which is fine. <laughs> he so Sam Raimi started as this guy, which is kind of everything everywhere all, all at once related. Is Sam Raimi started out? He made a movie. He was buddies with the Coen Brothers, who were just starting out too, and he decided like with his buddy Bruce Campbell, let's just go out in the woods and shoot a crazy schlocky horror comedy that just like breaks all the barriers, but just for fun, let's just do it. And they just like got some buddies together and went and shot it and it became like this weird cult hit people were like Mm -hmm. really into it and so he got money to make it and they were like remake this movie and he was like well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna remake it i'll I'll make a sequel this movie already exists and they're just like no we just want that and he was like well i'll kind of do that so he makes evil dead 2 they call it evil dead 2 because they want people who love the first one to come see it but Mm -hmm. it is a retread of the first one and then a whole other movie sort of following it yes um but it's like a funnier sillier version rather than just like holy shit gore hardcore effects right it's like very funny and then they make a third and it's all bruce campbell and then the third movie uh they brand as a whole new thing as if it's completely unrelated, even though he's playing the same person yeah. <laughs> uh, character, but they didn't want it to be a trilogy. So they're like, so they called it army of darkness and it's about Ash going back in time to medieval times and having it's to fight witches and zombies. And it's crazy. And he has a chainsaw <laughs> arm and it's, he says groovy at one point. It's all hilarious. We love it. It's one of the, it's a phenomenal schlock fest, but then all these, he does all these other movies. He does a simple plan. He does um, like weird, Oh, dark man, which mm-hmm. fucking rocks, um, which is, I consider basically like a universal monster picture at this point. Cause it was a universal movie that kind of fits into that genre. Anyway, I think it should be added to it, added to that list of like the Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, invisible man, dark man. Um, but then finally he gets Spider-Man. Spider-Man is his huge Tobey Maguire. Like he does it and he does the trilogy. Now I know the third one gets a lot of hate because of the dance sequence, but to be clear, that movie slaps if they had just decided to not also do the Sandman arc, if they had just kept the Sandman Mm -hmm. arc out of it, the rest of it actually kind of works. And it just, it's very Raimi though. And people weren't really ready for it. I would argue Spider-Man two is like one of the best superhero films of all time. Now for them to hand him this movie, fucking rocks for them to be like we're gonna give you this movie and let you do whatever you want and you can go full Raimi mode just do anything you want all the way and we'll give you because uh Kevin Feige is like a huge Sammy uh Sam Raimi fan so he was like just go for it so Raimi did he's referencing his own movies he's doing like kind of purposeful bad special effects he's doing like all this kind of shit that is just so him and then to put Bruce Campbell in it as the hot dog guy beating the shit out of himself. <laughs> so brilliant because Bruce Campbell, the whole bit was that he was like, I'm going to just put Bruce Campbell through the ringer in these Evil Dead movies. And you can see it. Bruce Campbell just is getting his ass kicked he through those three movies. Kicked, yeah. And so just to watch him like literally beat the shit out of himself. it's just, And then maybe one of maybe the best post credit scene of all time, which if people haven't seen it, uh, just go see it. But it's 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 worth the wait, even though it's like three seconds long. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I really I really loved that movie. Uh, I know that I hyperbolize a lot when it comes to Marvel Marvel films, especially when I've just seen them. But They're I've been doing sort of like a rehash of my top ten. Um, this beat the first Doctor Strange for me, which if you Ooh. know that was in my top five. Damn. Mm-hmm. So this is now my number four in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My right. I will defend it to my death, just like I will Eternals, Shang-Chi, <laughs> Black Panther, and Endgame. I think those are Eternals is number eight, but it's still it's I just I have to People are it. hard on that one. People are hard on it. I think it's yeah. phenomenal. Um but I really loved this one. Anyway, we can get off of it. Uh Here's this is some... just a multiverse and stuff. <laughs> it is. Can I tell you this, though? Tell me. This movie was based on... The, the original seed of the arc of this story was based on a song by Nine Days. Do you know the song Absolutely, Story of a Girl? Mm-mm. 
This is the story of a girl yeah. who cried a river, river and drowned, drowned the whole, the whole world. world. Yeah. Yes. He literally says to Evelyn, th there are lyrics from that song that he says, your clothes never wear as well the next day. Your hair never falls in quite the same way. Your clothes never wear as well the next day. Your hair never falls in quite the same way. No that. shit. Okay. He says that to her at one point. It, the, this... The underlying plot of the movie is just is like perfectly aligning with this no song, shit. and they play it at one point um, when the the woman is pulling or when he she brings him in as the dominatrix into the BDSM thing or whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, can you you want, you guys want to hear some various titles of this film in other countries? Yeah, because in Chinese speaking markets, shit. the movie had to be in go by different titles to make sense to different uh, sure. uh, uh, regions, right? So in mainland China, the title, it translates as In an Instant, the Entire Universe. Ooh, Ooh. that's good. Which I like. In Hong Kong, the title translates to Mystical Woman Warrior Saves the Universe. <laughs> cool. <laughs> which is true. In Taiwan, the title is a play on words. So it's like a pun that can be translated as either, based on context, mom's multiple universes, or in a different context, it could be translated as so fucking many universes. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love that. Um, so that's, that's kind of a funny thing. Anyway, back to the plot. So we... She's going through these multiverses, and there's this whole underlying thing with her daughter. Right. And her daughter early on, we've 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 learned that she has a girlfriend and has not come out to her grandfather yet. James Hong, who mm -hmm. my my dad immediately said, oh, that's the guy from Seinfeld. Sure. <laughs> that's what dad knew him it's from. It's a dude true, from true. so many stuff. He oh, just yeah. Got yeah. His, oh, he true just got his uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame last yeah, year. Yeah. Big it deal. 90 years old. Yeah. We love James Wong and also uh, Hong. And he also is like. He does like a lot of um, voice voiceover. Yeah, he's in the Kung Fu Panda movies. He's everywhere. Like we, we love him, but he's fantastic in this, especially at the end when he's Alphaverse Grandpa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And he and he's got like this weird sort of mech suit that looks like it was made for like 50 bucks, but it's kind of works because in the Alphaverse everything is kind of shitty. Yeah, um, like they're in that van and shit. Anyway, um, uh, uh, and. She has this girlfriend she wants to introduce to her grandpa, but they kind of can't. And that night they're going to have this this Chinese, Chinese New, Year. New Year party. Yeah. And that's kind of where everything's going to culminate. Uh, and it, it, of course, does. Uh, but there's this evil entity, apparently, that can live amongst all of the universes at once, has mastered the art of just being everywhere all at once. And this is Jobu Tubaki. Mm -hmm. Jobu Tubaki mm -hmm. is... If you haven't seen the movie, turn this off right now. But it is um, uh, uh, Joy, the daughter. Joy, the daughter, who has because of the way that her relationship with her mother has gone, and and among other things, she has sort of allowed herself into this ultimate omnipresent, omniscient, like state evil of being, being yeah. evil being that sort of. Malevolent. That's Malevolent and just makes her want to like end the world. And that's kind of where it's headed. And so anyone in the Alphaverse that sort of follows her, the Jobu Tupaki character, has these black rings around their head. And we see this in a lot of different forms. Something I didn't think about that I thought was really interesting, though, is, you know, the googly eyes that are everywhere through the mm -hmm. movie? Mm -hmm. These googly eyes are the opposite of the bagel. It's a yeah. white circle with a mm -hmm. black in the middle. I never thought of that. Mm -hmm. I was just, I was going through, I was like, oh shit. He's introduced by Waymond. Right. And so he's, concept. he's already seeing it. He's already the opposite. Everything outside of it, the bagel is the black hole. The googly eye is the opposite of the black hole. Right. Mm -hmm. So when she puts it on her forehead as the third eye at the end, it's her actively doing the opposite of what the Alphaverse people are doing, which I thought was interesting. So she, um, she goes to the, oh, what? Oh, that's What's going on? No, I just read an interesting um, uh, uh, fact about it. I'll talk about it later. Um, what else? What I mean? What? Where? What else? What well, we should like? talk about Stephanie uh, Sue. Joy. Joy. Let's talk about Joy. Joy. Yeah, she's, she's also in Shang Chi. 
Yes, and she's right. done a lot of Broadway, and she yeah. was marvelous and like yeah. everybody is like everybody's so fucking good in this movie mm-hmm. like i want them all to be nominated if they're not i don't i'm gonna be angry um <laughs> my fear is is that when by the time nomination stuff comes around um it'll be forgotten and because it's a small indie studio they won't be able to two performances campaign. i'd love to shout out are jenny slate as the dog mom that mm-hmm. uses her dog as a nunchuck yeah <laughs> Yeah, that shit's funny. fucking hilarious. And yes. also, before the movie, the Marcel the Shell uh, mm-hmm. trailer, trailer played, and oh she God. created Marcel the Shell. That she's she's the voice, and she. I I remember watching the first Marcel the Shell video on YouTube like fifteen years ago, and just thinking it was one of the most genius things ever. Now it's an A twenty four film. Sorry, J- Jenny Slate. Very exciting. Um, she's genius, and then Harry Shum Jr. from Glee. Who plays the chef who has Rakakuni on his head? Rakakuni. <laughs> okay. He p- gives a pretty solid performance for only having like four lines. He yes. sells it. He's so good. So that leads me to what is your favorite multiverse? Uh, Minus hot dog hands. So good. That it's, it's so the best good. love and story and ever. And the love story is so beautiful. They're playing and... piano with their feet. And she and Jamie Lee Curtis are in love. It's it's it just it was funny and weird and well and how it beautiful. all comes around in the end too where it's like I I remember every time they went back to that I was like I'm just worried they're gonna bite one of their fingers because hot dogs are so easy to bite into. But they and do then... a few times. They like sort of like put it in their mouths and <laughs> yeah. And it was so weird and kind of gross. And then they, I can't remember the line, but they bring it around like, you have hot dogs for hands. You learn how to do things with your feet. And I was like, yeah. <gasps> it all came around. Exactly. Um, I honestly, I loved, I loved the rock universe. Yeah. I oh, loved, yeah. I loved the main universe too. I just, that whole scene at the end where just how it comes together where Jamie Lee Curtis is supposedly her enemy in the, the quote unquote main universe. And then at the end, they kind of come together because it's like, yeah, I've been where you've been. Yeah. And I have oh, that, that scene, that scene where they're both sort of sitting out front, smoking, smoking or so taking good. the, using the vape, the vape yes. and yeah. getting high. And I'm like, this is uh, because by the time you get there, like Jamie Lee Curtis has become a monster villain yeah. and then like they've all switched and done so many it's, it's you've been through so much that moment of calm of just taking a hit off the vape was just yeah. lovely and then of course i loved the i loved the uh universe where she didn't marry waymond and she became famous and then they had that whole beautiful scene outside of the award ceremony that's my favorite universe. I He's, think the way they set that up, that. <laughs> that is his, because his performance, he he plays it so cool. He mm-hmm. lo- he deepens his voice. He does like all these things where it's just like, he's like, because we we weren't together, like I became this man, this very different man. And I think we both would have been very happy. And he the line that rips me to shreds, and I don't even want to say it because it's going to make me cry, but... He just says, like, because she says all this stuff early on about, like, I, you know, I didn't want to be with you because I just saw my life being like this and this and this. And he just says at the end of this huge, beautiful monologue at the end, he says, in another life, I would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, oh, my God. Yeah, I forget it. Yeah. I've it, already been crying while we've been recording, so don't worry. Truly, no, truly, like, it... It chokes me up so much because it's, it, I think about that kind of stuff all the time about the choices we make and where we head. And we can get a, a existential if we want, but I don't think we need to. I think everyone just needs to see it and get existential on their own. But that's my favorite universe. That's the one. I think it's beautiful. The Rakakuni and, and, um, <laughs> hot dog finger arcs are so brilliant yes. but even the way that the the one is shot where she's a famous actress and and he comes and sees her at the premiere um every they're still and the shutter focus behind them is off so they're everything that passes by is in blur but they're uh-huh. just so still that and their smoke kind of blurs away as it goes and like it's just really beautifully shot and feels so on purpose mm. Um, but yeah, the rock, the rock universe, you can't deny that's, I mean, come on. It's, yeah, shit. I'm not mad at, I'm not well, mad at any of those. And I had no idea what was going on. So for me, I was like, oh, 
this is the ending. But right. wait, we haven't even gotten to part three yet. But I was like, but this movie's kind of catching me off guard at every turn anyway. So maybe this is the ending. Yeah. Scott, what's your favorite universe? I said the hot dog fingers. Hot dog fingers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I will say, I, I, the, the ending, I've heard a few takes on this. And I didn't know how I felt about it till I saw it the second and third time. And it really solidified for me. I think it needs all of the endings. It has like eight endings. Yeah. Right. Like it really does. But to me, it's like, yeah. Because it. It's like 50 stories. Like, we're going to need a lot of endings. Yeah. And it has those. And I've heard that as a t- people are like, cut the last 20 minutes. It's two and a half hours. Cut the last 20 minutes. No. I don't think you can. No. no How did these it's... people feel about the three-hour-long Batman? Yeah. <laughs> sure, like, but I mean, yeah. most of their argument is just like, I already know. I, I get it by then. And I'm like, yeah, I get it too. But I'm living in the catharsis especially the second and third time by the time we get to the rock moment i just have tears strolling down my eyes i'm not going oh my face isn't crunched up i just have tears rolling down my eyes till the end of the movie with a little smile on my face and people are like it's just too long i get it and i'm like yeah i do too and i'm a fucking human with a soul dicks yeah (laughs) and i like to watch it play out thanks they're like i'm smarter than this i'm like no you're not (laughs) you're not Um, tom Anything else? Yeah, fuck you, Tom. Oh, no, yeah. don't fuck yeah. you, Tom. We love you, Tom. <laughs> um, We're want, alienating uh, Tom again. Uh, Tom, fuck Tom. <laughs> um, I, we should give a shout out to the voice of Rakakuni, uh, Randy Newman. <laughs> which I just thought was like uncredited and they give it to him. I was like, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, you got a friend in me. Um, all right. Anything else y'all want to say? I think people should go see it to find out what the ending is. You guys want to say anything else about it? I think we should get out of here. We've been I want to see it again. That's all. It's, um, let's watch it together again. We haven't gotten to all three watch it yeah, together. Let's do it yeah, again. Well, yeah. I'm going to buy the also. Blu-ray Steelbook when it comes out. We'll watch it. Um, yeah. I just, I just loved it. Uh, like I said at the beginning, it's, it's an original voice. Um, the Daniels or just Daniels. I don't think it's the Daniels. They're Daniels. Daniels. Um, are, they're going to be somebody to watch after. I, I hope they, they stick on their own path and don't get sucked into weirdness, but this was, this was great. And it's a fantastic follow-up to Swiss army man, which was Can't weird. See what but they do next. Fuck. Yeah. It's, and whatever they do next is going to be crazy. It's a superhero movie that didn't have any, it wasn't a comic book. It wasn't a book. It wasn't anything before. It was just a movie that they made. And yeah. you don't see that a whole lot anymore. Not that I well, don't love all of the past. Absolutely the story of a girl. <laughs> <laughs> it is a story of a girl. And a whole world. Oh my God. Uh, okay, cool. Should we get out of here? Yeah. Should we do, do the final things that we got to do? All right. Yeah, well, spitlets? Yes. You want to do that? Yeah. LA Spotlight. Yes, yeah, spitlets. You have any oh, LA? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, at Loft, they just opened last weekend. Try not to think about it. Alice Childress through Sunday or Childress through Sunday. I think it's Childress. Is it? It's based on a Ben Fold song. Uh, it's through Sunday, June 5th. Fridays and Saturdays at 8, Sundays at 7. I did choreography for the opening dance in act two and it's weird as fuck but i'm excited to see it we love uh, go to loft <laughs> loftensemble.org and then um people have started messaging me other friend shows they want me to cover so please find me on facebook send that stuff to me y'all uh steve vlasic is doing a is doing beautiful monsters the preview starts on the third of june it's um it's a retelling of dorian gray and cool. bruno oliver's in this yeah um and then the other one that friend of the pod Scott Golden is producing is called Queen of Fishtown. It's previewing on the second, and it's a one-woman show. And she's like taking it to Adelaide and Edinburgh, and she got a lot of scholarships for this. So that sounds like a pretty cool one to go to as well. Keep sending them my way, y'all. Yeah, and if you y'all have uh, if people send in anything, send me their ats, and we will follow you on Insta, and then also we'll put you in the. Um... Uh, 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 we'll tag you so that you know that you've been shouted out and you can come check out the episode. Yeah. Um, I'll give a pitch out for uh, Three Guys, One Groupon. Written by by, uh, Jay Bailey Burcham. Yep. Starring C.J. Merriman. Yep. Directed by Rebecca Larson. Also starring Amanda Blake Davis and Lee Wolf. Yes. Um, It is a delightful, endearing, 
awesome 45 minutes and that's all it is and so go to the fringe website three guys one group on uh and uh get your tickets and come see it uh we preview on june the 4th mm-hmm. yeah. very exciting uh okay I cool i don't have anything uh come see uncle vanya at the pasadena playhouse it opens june 1st mm. um if y'all want tickets to opening, let me know. I'll get you. Yeah, yeah, uh, but join us again next week for our 100th episode. Meow, 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 meow. I don't know what we're doing, but you should. We're just going to talk about everything that we've done, and we're going to rank, because Bailey loves ranking shit. We are going to rank the our top 10 playwrights our top, our 10, top playwrights. 10 playwrights i think that's where and we then we're going to give our the top 10 plays too top 10 playwrights and plays that we've covered thus far um we're not ending season 3 we're just doing a cumulative of like everything we've done so far just as a celebration of 100 episodes um and i'm going to ask them some questions that they're not gonna know beforehand so y'all right. better be ready uh but i'll also want to know just like what your favorite mini series was like outside Ooh. of like the playwright but like what was the most fun for you um and things like that so join us for that and if you have uh, a a favorite list or a ranking list you want to send us of your playwrights that we've covered send it to us we'll read it we will read Please. whatever you send us uh, if it's your top 10 that we've covered, if it's the ten, top 10 that you know, if it's uh, top three that you know, we don't care because Bailey loves ranking shit. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Questions, comments, send us that fringe stuff. You can reach us via email, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Scott? Thank you so much, CJ. A big shout out to uh, Ryan Thomas Johnson, who writes our theme song. Our theme song is better than your theme song. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. Uh, he also writes all of our stingers, and he's an amazing human being. A uh, big shout out to Pamela Quinn Boop. for writing our In Stuff theme song, which you heard at the beginning of the episode. Uh, she contributes to almost every episode that we do, and she's a frequent guest, and we love her to death. And then finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Annie Baker, who writes every single one of our episodes. And and she doesn't even know it. Oh. And one day, Annie Baker, we're going to buy you a beer. Sure are, uh, and I forgot to mention after after the hundredth episode, we're we're digging in. We're we're going to Marsha Norman, yeah. Night Podther. We're calling it the Night Podther <laughs> instead of Night or Cast Mother. Podther. Cast Podther. Whoa, <laughs> that's really sweaty. It I don't is. hate it though. We're gonna discuss. If you have an opinion, send it in. It's either gonna be Night Night Podther, Cast Mother. Or cast Podther. <laughs> I don't think that one works. I think no. it has to be. Night. I love it. Night Podther. Um, like good night, mother. Uh, I don't know. Okay, follow us on all the things. We love you so much, and uh, we'll see you later. Right? Will we see you later? Yeah, we'll see you next yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I was ready for you to. Oh, what's... Yeah, I'm trying to think of a song. Uh. My father said he didn't raise a fool, but sitting out there in these woods today, a son, 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 half a brain, and then he found find him move away. Cause your cat just fell and da, 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 da. that is until the day you came along. Now that outbound train has one less passenger. It's here in this wide woods where you belong. What's that from? I don't know. Spitfire Girl. Okay, bye. <laughs> Later, everybody. No. The theater. The theater. Theater. Theater.